Welcome back to another episode of the Bob Hoover Fitness Podcast. Today we have part two of the beginner fitness mistakes that um, a lot of new clients make, a lot of people make, and that I have also made in my journey so that you don't have to make them and you can pass up all the bullshit. So without further ado, let's kind of dive in. And um, you know, before we kind of get into this list, uh, you know, it's funny because what I, you know, from what I've seen, especially over the past three years of being a coach is that there's a, there's a similar trend that everybody experiences, right? And that is, I start off and I don't know if I'm doing this right. And, um, as time goes on, then they start to realize, oh shit, hey, I can do this. So again, the, the thing I want to make a point here is it's okay to not be perfect at the beginning. It's okay to not know what you're doing because the more you do this, the more you, you build a routine, the more that you fit what works best for you, the easier it's going to get. And I, what I've seen a lot is you know people try to be so perfect. They try to fit their lifestyle into this like perfect diet. They do so much studying. They do so much looking up that they never start. And that, you know, when they do start, they try to be so perfect with it that it's so unrealistic and they try fitting their lifestyle into a certain type of diet or a certain type of exercise routine or a certain type of whatever the case may be that it doesn't work for them at that point. And it's not sustainable, so then they they end up quitting, right? So just know, like, there's not one way to do all this kind of stuff. There's a million ways to do it, right? And when you see somebody online that has, you know, a certain diet plan or a certain routine or try doing this or that or whatever the case may be somebody that says like oh this is off limits don't do this do it my way or this is why this way doesn't work do it this way and they have like names behind diets and they sell books about it that's usually a good sign to not go towards that right because these people are trying to sell you on something and there's no one way that works for everybody if that was the case I think a lot of uh, a lot of these issues would be solved. You know what I mean? Um, so the thing is, like, you're on your own journey, and I want you to realize that and be okay with that because it's your own journey, and you're going to figure out what does and doesn't work for you based on trial and error, and that's okay. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. I'm going to say that right now. So have that proper expectation like, hey, there's going to be times where I fuck up. I'm going to fail. And you know what? That's okay. That's how I learn. And um, and yeah, and, and you'll get better the more you do it. You know, just like, uh, you know, I reference sports a lot because I'm a big sports fan. Um, you think the first time somebody shoots a basketball, they fucking make 10 shots in a row. Like, no, like you think fucking LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or any of these amazing basketball players, do you think that they just like picked up a ball and were like, okay, cool. Like, 
I'm going to be the best, some of the best players in the world. Like, no, these, these people practice day in and day out. They shoot, they shot the ball day in and day out. They learned how to dribble day in and day out. There were times where they probably had bad shooting days. There was times where they probably just didn't have that day. There was times where they probably didn't want to go to practice or play the game that day, but they still went because they knew they had to. And they built the grit. They built the discipline. They built the skill of basketball over time for being consistent, right? And that's what made them great. Just all the hard work, the relentlessness of day in, day out, doing more than what other people are willing to do, which is why they're some of the greatest people of all time, some of the greatest basketball players. So same thing for you. Do the things that others aren't willing to do. And it's the simple things. It's the simple things in these two podcasts. And if you haven't listened to the part one, I would urge you to do so before listening to this one that are going to help you win, right? There's no secret formula. That's the thing. Like if somebody's trying to sell you on a secret formula, then they're, you know, they're selling you a bunch of bullshit and I would fucking not listen to that person at all. Um, So yeah. So just like anything else in life, it's going to take some time. There's no perfect way to do it. The only thing that you can do right now is just to start. You're going to be, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn as you go, right? So in these two podcast episodes, I hope that you find some, um, I hope that you find some, some value in these to help you start along your journey. And I hope that these, you know, 10 to 12 things, uh, help you out a lot. All right. So with that said, let's dive into the first part, or I should say that the number one, uh, thing, which would, I think. I think we did five last episode, five or six. So this is either going to be six or seven. And a huge mistake that I see um, people making is going to be cutting your calories too low, too soon. Now, let me let me preface this by saying that there is a time and place for rapid fat loss. Okay. And it has to be done again. It has to be done with a plan. If you just go guns blazing like shit, I'm going to lose fat as quickly as possible, cut my calories super low, take out all these foods, go to the gym 10 days a week, 10 days a week, it's not even fucking 10 days in a week, uh, go to the gym three hours a day, seven days a week and do all this crazy shit and fucking, you know, take 10 minute cold showers in the morning and walk on your hands in the snow. I don't fucking know some of this weird shit people do. Um, you're setting yourself up for failure. But again, there is a time for rapid fat loss, but that's not what I'm going to talk about here today. And this is where a lot of people fuck up. You know, they cut their calories way too low at the beginning. Okay. They can go off of willpower. They can go off of motivation for only so long. Okay. Until that thing basically punches you in the face, hunger punches you in the face. uh, And you're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck am I doing? I can't do this anymore. So what ends up happening is you get so hungry, it becomes so unsustainable that you end up binging way overeating for a few days because you deprived yourself so much and you lose all the progress that you gained, whether that was over a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month. This is why you see a lot of people lose a bunch of weight and not be able to keep it off because they're doing things that are unsustainable. And last last, um, podcast episode, I talked about 
uh, cardio versus strength training. And this is a thing too, where they cut their calories super low. They run three, four, five miles a day, and it just becomes unsustainable for them. And by the time, you know, by the time they're, they're like depleted, they're like, geez, I can't do this anymore. And they're just like, well, this isn't fucking worth it. Fuck this. I'm giving up. And remember, there's no race. Okay. This is not a fucking race. It's not who gets the finish line first. You know, if you view it as a race, it's the actually the exact opposite. Every time there's a race, you know, obviously the person that comes in that finishes first comes in first place. This race, this weight loss, fat loss race, the person that comes in last wins most of the time. Most of the time. Because the more slower you go, the more you look on the long-term view and the more you focus on the process and taking it at a more slower approach, the more sustainable it's going to be. And that's just a fact. And I think this is where a lot of people fuck up is they be too restrictive too soon. And it's funny because a lot of the times when a client starts with me, the first thing they'll see when, or they'll say when they see their calories is like, whoa, what the fuck? Like I have to eat that much. And it's like, yeah, like how about we switch that phrasing is like, oh, I have to eat that much. How about we say like, oh shit, I get to eat that much, right? Simple change of words. And I also see a lot of people, What you know, what we do is I like to give ranges, right? Because when you have a specific number, it can be stressful trying to hit that one number. But when you have a range of calories, it's a lot easier. It's a lot less stressful, right? Because you have a whole range of what to hit. So instead of hitting this exact number, you might have a two, three, 400 calorie range, right? So if you calculated your calories, you know, which I'll tell you here in a second, which I'll tell you right now, actually, you know, basically like a simple formula to use. And if you follow this, you're going to lose weight. If you're consistent with it, it's just taking your goal body weight times 12. And let's just say you put that in and you got, you know, 1900 calories, for example, you could do 1800 to 2000 calories. You can do 1700 to 2100 calories. You could do 2700 to 2000 calories. The point is you have a range and this is super helpful because you don't have to be super perfect and it allows you some flexibility because Maybe some days, you know, you're going to eat a little bit more so you can go towards the higher end of the range. Maybe some days, you know, you can eat a little bit less and, and you don't want to eat more. So you can go towards, towards the lower end of the range. And it also allows you to fit a little bit more food, um, some of your favorite foods into your diet, you know, um, you know, flexible dieting. Now, that said, you, you, there's, there's, there's definitely too much flexibility that you can do. And this is another problem, which um, I'll, I'll be talking about later, but you want to eat as much as you can while still being able to lose weight. Let, let me say that again. The goal for you is to eat as much as you can while still losing weight. And a lot of people think that they have to eat this super low amount to lose weight. And I don't, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily know what this stems from, um, maybe diet, you know, I don't even know what diet culture is to be honest with you. Uh, but probably just a lot of these like fad diets and, uh, what, 
has been taught over the past 10, 20 years. Um, you know, people think they have to like starve themselves to lose weight and make sustainable progress. And that's just not true. And that's not the right way to do it for most people. Um, you know, I, and it's funny because I've coached so many people who have like gotten amazing results by eating more and losing weight, right? Because the way it works is you have your maintenance calories, okay? So imagine a straight line. If you were looking at a piece of paper, imagine a straight line. That is your maintenance calories, okay? In order to lose weight, or let, let, me, let me back up a second. You have your maintenance calories. That is how many calories your body is burning per day, okay? So if you were to eat that many calories, you would stay the same weight. If you were to eat more than those calories, so if you have that straight line and you were to eat above that line, you would gain weight. That's a calorie surplus. In order to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit, which means you have to eat below that line. Now, the farther below that line you eat, the quicker you're going to lose weight, but the more unsustainable it's going to be, right? So it, it kind of like evens out. It's like, cool, I can lose weight quicker, but it's not going to be as sustainable. All right. And remember, as long as you're below that line, you're going to lose weight. So the goal is to get as close to that line as possible, right? While making progress. And the, the progress, you know, usually is about like half a pound to two pounds per week on average. Keep in mind, that's on average. So you could lose two pounds the first week, or I should say two pounds the first two weeks, not lose any pounds the next two weeks, and for that month, you still averaged half a pound of loss, half a pound of weight loss, which you'd be right on track. So the goal is to eat as close to that maintenance line as possible while making some good progress. And usually that's between like a 500 to... 700 ish 750 calorie deficit but to make it simple simply take your goal body weight times 12 and you'll get a nice solid number there and then whatever number you get there plus or minus it 100 and that's your range and like i said if your goal was 1900 calories you would add 100 subtract 100 and your goal would be 1800 to 2000 calories and what this is going to do this is going to be a lot more sustainable for you right? You're not going to be as hungry. You're still going to be hungry, but you're not going to be starving. Again, you're going to have a little bit more energy, okay, to fuel your workouts, to help you recover. You might have less cravings because you have more food in you. You're able to enjoy some, keyword, some of your favorite foods in moderation because you have a little bit more calories. And remember, like, we're adding things into your diet. We're not taking things away we're adding things in. So rather than saying, oh, I have to take away uh, X food, I have to take away this chocolate bar at night. Like, no, like, hey, I'm going to start adding in more protein. I'm going to add in more fruits and vegetables. I'm going to add in more whole foods that contain a lot of nutrients because no foods are off limits, right? And, you know, that's the thing. As long as you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to lose weight. And be, usually, the smaller the calorie deficit you're in, the more sustainable it'll be. 
and you'll just enjoy life a lot more. So goal body weight times 12. Now, point number two, where a lot of people make mistakes is not eating enough protein. And this is where you will see like a lot of people get skinny fat. If you see somebody that's struggling with that is the, you know, from point from the first episode, part one, again, if you have listened to that, go listen to that. From the, from part one, I talked a little bit about cardio versus strength training. And what a lot of people do is they'll just hop on uh, a treadmill, elliptical, they won't touch a weight and they'll lose a bunch of weight. But some of that weight isn't just body fat. A lot of it is muscle and, you know, which we don't want to do. So, you know, there's a difference between weight loss and fat loss, right? The weight includes your muscles, your bones, water, um, all your organs, all this stuff in your body, while your body fat is literally just your body fat. And when we lose muscle, that's you know, not good for our health and it's just not good for our metabolism and sustainable long-term results, right? Because muscle is one, it gives you that nice toned and lean look, right? Uh, it has numerous health benefits and it does keep your metabolism ramped up a little bit, right? It does burn a little more calories. So ironically, you can actually eat a little bit more while staying lean while having more muscle. So protein fits into this because a lot of people, they they think, okay, let me just cut my calories super low. Let me just take out all these foods. And I'm just going to lose a bunch of weight. Well, if their protein isn't up and they're not strength training, some of that weight that comes off is going to be muscle. And again, we don't want to do that because muscle is very important for fat loss. And again, this is why they get skinny fat, they have that look, and they stall out because they're actually increasing their body fat percentage because at a certain point, your body doesn't want to lose any more body fat. So it's like, okay, I have to keep this body fat on our body because it's survival mechanism, right? In times of a famine or starvation, right? So it's a natural defensive mechanism. So your body's like, okay, I have to keep this body fat on my body. I already lost a certain amount. I don't want to lose any more. What else can I use for energy? Oh, look, hey, here's muscle. We don't need that. Let me use that. So it starts using your muscle for energy and hence you lose muscle. And when you lose muscle and you start keeping the body fat, even though you're losing weight, your body fat percentage goes up because it, your body fat levels are staying the same, but your weight's going down. So at a lower weight with the same body fat, obviously the percentage is going to go up. So that's obviously not what we want. So protein is super important for retaining muscle in a calorie deficit. And also if you're newer to strength training, you're going to build muscle in a calorie deficit too, which geez, I mean, that's like the gold standard right there. That's the goal of everybody losing body fat and building muscle. Uh, body recomposition, baby. So that's a huge thing that people don't do is they cut out everything and they don't even think about protein. And obviously, number one, protein is going to help you retain and build muscle, which has all the benefits I just laid out. Also, something that goes by that a lot of people don't think about and people just don't know is protein is very satiating. 
it fills you up. Think about eating a whole chicken breast or something I've noticed too. Eat like so. One of my favorite snacks that I eat is uh, Greek yogurt mixed with protein powder. And I'll throw in some fruit in there, some like berries or bananas or whatever the case may be, whatever I'm feeling. And it is one of the most filling things ever. I So right now it's about 5.40 my time as I'm recording this beautiful podcast for you beautiful people. And I had a yogurt uh, mixed with vanilla protein powder and some berries about three hours ago around 2 30 and my goodness am i fucking full so protein is very filling when you eat protein certain hormones get released in your gut that tell your brain hey we're full don't feed us anymore so protein is going to fill you up all right it's very important uh for for a diet and being in a calorie deficit for that reason um and then third there's something called the thermogenic effect of food. And simply mean and simply this means how many calories does your body burn while digesting its food? And protein is the highest by far. I think it's like 20 something percent uh, more than the other macronutrients it burns. So like carbs and fats, um, it basically burn it takes a lot more energy to burn and digest the food. Um, than carbs and fats. So even though it's not like significant, it still adds up over time. You still do burn a little bit more calories by eating protein. Uh, and it's been shown in research to be very hard to store as body fat. They've done overfeeding studies on protein where the protein group has, it, they, they overate on protein. And those people that overate on protein before or compared to the people that didn't, stored less body fat. So protein is very important. (laughs) All right. Um, So tying all that in together, number three is not tracking your calories and weighing your food. This, this is a big one. Now, keep in mind, People think tracking your calories and weighing your food is this like OCD, obsessive type of behavior, and it's just not. That's just not the case. Now, if you make it obsessive and you try to think of being perfect, then yeah, that's when it can get obsessive, right? And the reason why we track and weigh our food at the beginning is honestly for like education, right? Now, intuitive eating, basically like listening to your body, not tracking, all that kind of stuff. That's the end goal, right? So you track now so that you don't have to track in the future. It's it's for educational purposes. You're, you're building your tool belt when you track, right? When you track your food, one, you know how much you're eating. So you know how much your body needs to lose weight, okay? And you know that you're being accurate day to day. It's very easy to think, oh, I'm barely eating anything. Well, if you think that, I would challenge you to track your food for three days and think that um, if that's how much you knew you were eating. 
because a lot of people are surprised. Like, even for me, I'm a coach. I've tracked calories for 10 plus fucking years. And there's some times where I'll track and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm barely eating anything. And then I'm like, damn, like, fuck, I didn't think I was eating that much. And that's why, you know, it's probably good to track here and there. You know, even if when you get do get to the point where you don't have to track anymore, it's probably good to track like once a year just to kind of touch up on some things and make sure that you're still, uh, you know, on track with things. But tracking calories is going to educate you. And like I said, one, it's going to make sure that you're being accurate so that you can actually get the results. But then also it's going to teach you what, how many calories certain foods contain. Okay. It's also going to teach you proper portion sizes, right? So you may think a half a jar of fucking peanut butter might be four tablespoons. And then in reality, you weigh it out and you're like, holy shit. Like that thing is like 16 tablespoons. And I thought here it was like 300 calories, but it is fucking a thousand calories, right? Um, same thing, like even like something with chicken, right? Like 28 grams of chicken. Like you might think like, oh, this is, you know, 28 grams and you weigh it out and it's really like 56. And it's like, oh shit, well, there's 120 calories that I didn't account for. So it allows you to be accurate and it teaches you how to be consistent or not consistent. It teaches you how to be, or how to properly eyeball portion sizes so that eventually when you're going out to eat or when you don't want to track anymore and you've gotten some really good results, you have an idea of, okay, this is how much I'm eating, right? So for example, like now I don't, I rarely track now because I fucking have done it for like 10 years and I'm just like sick of it and I just want nothing to do with it. But I put, I fucking paid my dues. (laughs) I put my time in. I tracked shit for 10 fucking years and I have a really, really good idea of, of portion sizes and what things look like and all that kind of stuff. So now, like if I put salad dressing on a salad, I kind of know like what two tablespoons looks like or 28 grams. Or I, I know what a serving size look like, right? Um, or if I'm putting peanut butter on something, I know what 20 grams of peanut butter looks like, or I know what four ounces of chicken looks like. I have a good idea. So again, it, it's a short-term thing that you need to do and take it for what it's worth. Remember, not being super obsessive, allowing some flexibility and realizing like, hey, this is like, like, for example, if, if intuitive eating was the test you have to take, right? Think of tracking and measuring your food as the study guide and taking notes so that you're ready for the test in the future. Okay. Um, and, and when you're measuring food, don't measure with tablespoons or any of those things because that measures like the volume of food and it's funny because if you try packing in two tablespoons into a thing and you actually weigh that out it would probably be way more than one serving of peanut butter because when you measure the volume of food it's not as accurate so measure it in grams that's gonna be the most accurate if you want the best results why not just be the most accurate i know it's tedious but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So that's number three, not tracking and weighing your food is a huge mistake. I see people make, they think they're eating way less than they actually are. And then when they track their food, they're like, Oh shit. Um, I am 
not eating what I thought I was. I'm eating way more. So again, if if you don't want to track because, you know, it sounds tedious, well, that's because it is. And I'm sorry, but sometimes, like I said, if you want to get your goals, you got to do it. I would urge you to track it for at least 30 days. Try for at least 30 days and then reassess after that. Um, and, you know, another thing too, point number uh, four that we can tie into here is people just aren't being consistent enough, okay? And they think, oh, well, I've been doing this. I've been doing this. And then you're like, okay, here, uh, let's see how your weekends look. And then they're like, oh, well, yeah, I don't track on the weekends. You know, one time I had a client where this person was just not losing weight. And I'm like, you know, I was like, man, you know, week looks really good. And I was like, well, how's your weekends look? You know, and I had them send me a photo of like their food and they were always going out to parties, barbecues on the weekends, drinking. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that the weekends counted. And I'm like, well, yeah, they fucking count. Like, it's not just like, oh, your body's not just like, oh, well, it's the weekend. So we're not going to count these calories. Like, no, like the weekends still count. Right. And, uh, you know, they were like, oh, and then uh, ironically, right, when they started tracking on their weekends and treating the weekends like they're weak, they started losing weight. So something with this that can help a lot is having a consistency calendar. And I learned this from uh, Jordan Syatt, which if you know me, uh, he's been a huge mentor of mine. Uh, and simply what it is, is you take a calendar and every time you hit your goals for that day, whatever goals you have, steps, workout, calories, protein. If you track macros, you could do that. And every time you hit it, you put a check mark there. When you don't, you put an X. And the goal is to be at least 80% consistent with your diet, okay? Because that's what research shows. If you're 80% consistent, uh, you can, you're going to see some really good results. So, and remember, at least 80% consistent. Now, out of a 30-day month, that would be about you'd want 25 check marks and only five red X's to be 80% consistent. And if you can do that, I can guarantee you, you will start seeing results, right? So if you think you're being consistent, I would challenge you to take out a calendar and start tracking it, okay? And just seeing how consistent you are. Okay, so as a recap, one, Cutting your calories too low. Two, not eating enough protein. Three, not tracking your calories and weighing your food. Four, not being consistent enough. So five is only focusing on the scale in living and dying on it. Now, there's a, there was this huge movement, you know, and there I think there kind of still is, uh, where it's like, oh, don't weigh yourself. It's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of not running away from your fears. And if you're scared to do something, I personally believe that you should jump into your fears. The only way to overcome your fears is just challenging them, right? Um, sorry, I couldn't find the word for a second. And rather than running away from the scale, like I think being objective about it and being logical 
about the scale and educated about it is huge and it's going to fix a lot of problems. Now, what happens is a lot of people think the scale determines, you know, their self-worth. If the scale goes up, they're a shitty person, they suck, blah, blah, blah. And like, first and foremost, no, absolutely not. The scale does not determine your self-worth. It literally is a fucking machine that has a digital number, or if you have an old ass scale, one of those fucking little spin wheel things that shows you the number. It That's it. That's all it does. Okay. And again, it does not determine your self-worth. It just tells you your weight. All right. So that's number one. And the thing with the scale, can it suck? 100% absolutely. And here's why. Because remember the difference between weight loss and fat loss? The scale only tells your weight. Okay. So if you've been following everything I've been saying in these past two episodes, you've been strength training, eating enough protein, eating in a calorie deficit, you very well could be losing weight, or I should say you could be losing body fat and gaining muscle. All right. So if you lose five pounds of body fat and you gain five pounds of muscle, what's your weight going to be? It's going to be the same, right? But since muscle is more dense than body fat, it doesn't weigh more than it doesn't weigh more than body fat, right? It's more dense than body fat, which means it takes up less room. That means you're going to be leaner, okay? And this is where a lot of people fuck up, where they only focus on the scale, they're not seeing progress, and they think, okay, well, fuck it, I'm giving up, okay? So this is why it's also important to have other forms of measurement, right? Have Taking body measurements around your waist, glutes, legs, arms, neck, wherever you want to take it, taking body measurements every two weeks. Because what body measurements are going to do, they're going to tell you where the body fat is coming off. Because remember, if you're building muscle and losing body fat, even though you're weighing the same, you're going to be leaner because muscle makes you more toned. It takes up less space than the body fat does. So the measurements are going to be going down. All right. I've had plenty of clients where the weights kind of stay the same, but the measurements go down and you can see it in the progress pictures too, which is another thing that you should be taking at once a month, at least is progress photos, because you can really see some changes month to month on a progress photo. Um, and also, Focusing on how you feel. Clothes fitting. Clothes fitting are a huge thing. If if you can fit in a clothes or a certain piece of clothing that you haven't been able to fit to fit into in years, what do you think that means? It means you're getting fucking smaller, right? And um, another thing too that kind of I like a lot is to kind of get your mind off the scale a little bit is having performance based goals and focusing on getting stronger in the gym and. Uh, trying to get maybe a certain poundage or a certain amount of weight on your squat or deadlift, or maybe trying to get your first chin up or your first push up or whatever the case may be, maybe improving your mile time, having a performance-based goal, like kind of gives you that extra motivation to keep going. And it's funny because when you focus on that, ironically, you're so focused on the process, again, consistency, that you're being consistent and the weight is just going to come off. 
All right. Now, let's talk about the scale real quick. Again, I think you should weigh yourself every day. I'm not one of these people that tells that it's not like, oh, you shouldn't weigh yourself. Oh, it's okay. You know, don't weigh yourself, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you should fucking weigh yourself. If you're scared of it, that's even more of a sign. I think you should weigh yourself and take it for what it's worth. What happens is people live and die by the scale. And if you do this, then yeah, you're going to fuck up because your weight is going to fluctuate day to day. There's no way around it. So it's based off genetics. Like there's really no, nothing you can do about the weight fluctuating. If, the, if your weight doesn't fluctuate, that actually would be abnormal. So it's normal for your weight to fluctuate. And actually on my Instagram right now, as, of, as I'm recording this podcast, I'm documenting my maintenance journey and my weight has fluctuated. It's hilarious because it's like, oh, like it goes down a pound and then it goes up 0.2 pounds and up 0.2 pounds. But when you look at the trend line over time, it stays the same. All right. So your weight is going to fluctuate day to day. And the key is not to live and die by the scale and take it for what it's worth. Be objective about it. Be logical about it. Know it's going to go up and down. Okay. And that is completely normal. There's a lot of things that can affect it. You could have eaten more salt the night before salt holds on to water. Maybe you ate more carbs the night before. All right. Carbs every. So your carbs get stored in your muscles as something called glycogen. Essentially, Glycogen is your storage form of carbohydrates in your muscles that your muscles use for energy. So it's essentially the energy source for your muscles. Each gram of glycogen holds on to about two to three grams of water. So obviously, the more glycogen you have in your muscles, the more water you're going to have in your muscles, which means the more weight you're going to have. And again, gaining weight and water weight is not bad. There's a difference between weight and fat. All right. And also, side note, the more glycogen you have, the more better workouts you're going to have, the better you're going to recover, and the more muscles you're going to be filled out, which means you're going to look more toned and lean and defined. So can't beat that. Uh, so anyways, um, there's a, a bunch of different ways or reasons why your weight might spike up, okay? So it's not, you don't want to look at the, av- the, the day-to-day fluctuations. If you That's going to fuck you up. You want to instead take your average weight that week, right? So you're going to look at Monday through Sunday, for example, you're going to add up all those numbers and you're going to divide by how many days that is. That's going to give you an average for that week. And then you want to compare the averages from week to week, month to month. Look at the trend over time. If that trend is going down, you're good. All right. Just because your weight doesn't go down for a week doesn't mean you're in a plateau. You got to give this time. All right. If you stay consistent and you follow these these tips, it will go down. I promise you. Okay. And again, remember, just because the scale went up a pound doesn't mean you gained fat. To gain one pound of fat, you have to eat in a 3,500 calorie surplus. That's a lot of food. All right. I guarantee you that you didn't eat in a 3,500 calorie surplus one day. All right. You're good. If let's just say you do go off track and you do gain a few pounds of of weight, cool. Who gives a fuck, right? It's one day, right? Don't be an asshole to yourself, right? Be logical about it. Remember, one day doesn't determine anything. As long as you get right back on track, remember, and you're consistent. So if you go back off track, the only way you can fuck up is if you quit. So just remember, remember this, even if the scale goes up, you didn't mess up, right? 
because one, you don't have control over it. It's normal. And two, even if you went off track the night before, cool. Who cares? Just get right back on track. Then you're good to go. All right. So remember, don't only focus on the scale. Don't live and die on it. Be logical about it. Take it for what it's worth and um, you'll be good to go. All right. So we have about, what are we in here? We are about 40 minutes in and we have about three more left. All right. So uh, the next point, point number six is going to be basically like following a fad diet. And I kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I, you know, it's funny because I, if you know my story, was a huge proponent of the keto diets. And I've tried a bunch of other fad diets before. And look at me now, none of them work. Do they work for some people? Yeah, a minority. But remember, like I said before, like, there's not one diet that works for everybody. The diet that works for you is the one that you know for 100% without a doubt that you can eat for the rest of your life. All right. Not some fucking diet that has a name on it. Not some diet that fucking Jim on the internet said, oh, try this. It works. Like, no, if the diet for you is the one that has your name on it. All right. Not some other name on it. Not some other diet that somebody's trying to push on you. It's your diet. And this does take some trial and error to figure that out. And that's cool, right? Because there's no race. So if a diet has a name or has a book behind it, I would try to stay away from it. Okay. And remember, as long as our bases are covered, as long as you have protein, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, all the carbs, because they're fucking amazing, um, and they taste so good, and man, are the workouts awesome, then you're going to be good. Not some fad diet that some fake doctor is trying to sell you. Uh, And again, I've so something too that I used to do, I don't know if I really talked about this. I think I have. Yeah, I definitely have. Uh, But I'll kind of repeat it here. You know, when I was keto, I fell into the trap. You know, this is kind of before I was a coach. As I was actually coming into being a coach, I fell into the trap and I thought it was the greatest thing. Literally, I, I'm like, holy shit, you're literally burning body fat and like you're literally turning your body into a body fat burning machine. Now, obviously, <laughs> look, now know, being more educated and knowing what I know now, just because you're burning body fat as a fuel source doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be losing body fat, right? So since it worked well for me and it worked well for somebody else I knew, although it's funny because that person that wasn't able to sustain it, I thought everybody should do it. So when I first started coaching clients and I still, dude, I feel fucking terrible about this to this day. I feel really, really bad. I pushed this diet on so many people, family, friends, clients. And first and foremost, talking about the clients, they just weren't getting results. And I couldn't for the life of me think of why it was. And I'm like, okay, they're cutting out carbs, doing all this. One, obviously it wasn't sustainable and they're probably binging on the weekends. And two, like they just, they weren't eating in a calorie deficit. They might've cut out their carbs, but they weren't eating in a calorie deficit. I used to think, okay, like carbs make you fat. And obviously that wasn't the case. And that was number one. Number uh, two, you know, thank God my wife is amazing. 
she's just all the bullshit she put with me over the years uh with like dieting and all that kind of stuff uh you know she like we've always been like really cool like she respects my decisions i respect her decisions so like at first yeah i was kind of like oh you should try this but like i knew she didn't want to do it so thank god for her like she didn't and like i know for a fact she wouldn't do it because she didn't want to that's the type of person she is she's a badass and she'll stand like her ground which i that's why i love her one of the many reasons why i love her and uh you know she didn't try it but like i had a lot of family members who were like oh this is great and um (laughs) to this day now that they know like they know i'm not keto anymore they know and you know i've had to go on social media and really and again this was like three years ago okay so it's not like it was something that was like two months ago or six months ago this was three years ago and to this day i still have some people that will come up to me family friends that are like oh yeah like well this has carbs in it or carbs are bad or like i'm gonna try cutting out my carbs and i just want to fucking pull my hair out and be like no like and i don't blame them i don't blame them it's my fault but no matter how many times I, you know, try to educate them or whatever, I still feel bad to this day because I put it in their mind that carbs are bad. Now, like it has gotten a lot better with a lot of people and people, you know, are starting to understand now. But, um, my point is after saying all that is I kind of got off track is carbs are not bad. And that's one of my favorite things now as a coach to, uh, see, when clients start incorporating more carbs into their diet and they actually realize that, Oh my God, I can fucking make progress and have carbs. It is amazing. I love it. I love it. Love, love. That's one of my favorite things. Um, and yeah, so I would say anything that has a fad diet, you know, not just keto, but anything, you know, paleo vegan, um, you know, vegan, it, that's obviously debatable. If you, you know, have your your reasons for doing that that's totally cool um but let's just say now the goal like i said in summarizing this you want to the goal is to eat the diet that you know you can have for the rest of your life maybe that is keto all props to you i'm just shooting on keto because i know for most people it doesn't work i mean i was a huge keto proponent and it didn't work for me so if it doesn't work for me i'm like okay it's not gonna work for most people but Let's say that you are that person that it does work for. Cool. Like, that's cool. Like, I 100% support that. And if that's a diet for you, then fucking amazing. Like, seriously, amazing. The whole point is not following a diet because you're told to do so. Following a diet because you choose to do so and you actually fucking enjoy it. Okay. Two more points here. This kind of ties into the last point, but following the wrong people. Now, I'm not going to sit up here on my high horse and say, oh, blah, blah, you know, I'm the best because I, I know for a fact I'm not. You know, I I pride myself in improving, uh, having a growth mindset, knowing I'm far from perfect and improving every single day to become the best coach I can be for my clients and helping them get the best results they can be they can have and changing their life like that's like my number one thing i love the most and i i I, it excites me that like i still have so much to learn um and my number one priority is helping my clients 
get results and, and finding stuff that works best for them and changing their whole life and outlook on things and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying this is like, oh, like I'm the best. There are so many amazing coaches out there, okay, that you can follow. There's a lot, okay? And my point is kind of tying back to the last point is be careful who you follow, all right? Especially if somebody has like doctor before their name, all right? Now, are there some doctors out there that are great follows and that know what the fuck they're talking about? 100%. But a lot of people abuse the doctor label so that you give them authority and you trust them. Okay? So be careful. Again, if somebody is promoting, if they have a book about a certain diet, if they're promoting certain ways of foods, if they're saying certain foods are bad, be very cautious. Do your own research, okay? And I just want you to know that um, because it's very easy to fall in that trap. And I totally understand that. I know, because especially if like you don't, you know, if you don't know, like, you just don't know, right? So you, you see somebody that has doctor in front of their name, or you see somebody that has all these credentials in front of their name, and you're like, oh, cool, like, yeah, that makes sense. And lo and behold, like, they're selling you on some bullshit, right? You know, and, and their supplements and all that kind of stuff. So be careful, you know, who you follow. And if somebody does have doctor for their name, look them up, make sure they're not like, a fucking chiropractor or like some like psychologist, you know, make sure that they have proper credentials, you know, in nutrition, um, you know, actually science, whatever the case may be. Um, again, there's a lot good out there, but just be careful who you follow. Be very cautious, right? Um, I would hope that even for me, like, you know, you'd be like, okay, it's kind of always talking about all that kind of stuff. So uh, just be careful. So the last point is, and, and this is kind of funny, but it's true, right? If you're stuck and you want to get to a certain place, um, you know, whether that's fat loss, build muscle, whatever the case may be, a big beginner mistake is not hiring a coach. And here's why. Remember my last point where I said, be careful who you follow. It can be hard to know what to believe. There is so much information out there that it is hard to know what to believe and know what to do. All the information is out there. It really is. Like if you want to get results, all the information is out there. And I try my best on social media, articles, these podcasts to help you get the results you're looking for, to give you all the free information I can get or I should say I can give to help you reach your results because I know it can be hard to know what to believe and not to believe. Do you do cardio? Do you do strength training? Do you do both? Well, what kind of strength training? Oh, well, what kind of cardio? Oh, well, what about this to eat? What about this to eat? What should I focus on this, this sleep, all this kind of stuff? It can be hard. So having a coach, right, is going to help you know what to focus on. It's, they're going to teach you everything you need to know, right? They're going to teach you what you need to focus on, what the most important things, the whys and hows of doing th- certain things, right? Here's what we're going to do for strength training. Why are we doing this split? Why are we doing these exercises? Why are we doing this order? Why are we doing this rep range? 
Why are we taking a break here? Why are we doing cardio like this? Why are we doing this cardio? Why are we only focusing on this for nutrition? Oh, here's the foods I should focus on most time. Oh, oh, I can fit this into my diet. Great. All this stuff, different things, right? The coach, whoever that may be, is going to help you sift through all that and help you focus on the right things. And they're going to make you they're going to give you, they're going to take out all the guesswork essentially. Okay. The coach is going to take out all the guesswork, give you what you need to set you in the right direction. And then they're going to essentially be your guide to help you reach your goals. Right. And, um, that's number one. And then obviously number two, how hard is it to fucking, you know, keep yourself accountable? You know, that's a big part of fitness is, keeping yourself accountable, building that discipline muscle, doing things even when you don't want to, but sometimes that can be hard. And having a coach can help you build up that muscle, build up that discipline muscle because you have that extra motivation. You have that extra accountability. You're paying a coach to keep you accountable, right? Make sure you're doing the shit when you don't even want to do it. Make sure you're doing your check-ins. Make sure you're staying on track. Make sure you're being consistent. Make sure you're getting your workouts. All this stuff coach is going to be there to help you do that, right? So that eventually after coaching, you've built up that discipline muscle. You do things now without even like thinking about it. It's just part of your routine. It's a non-negotiable, right? But that coach was there to help you out at the beginning when you really needed that, when you need that extra push, when you needed somebody to talk to and push you to do stuff even when you didn't want to. So uh, that would be the last point that I would make is a lot of people quit and they don't succeed because they don't hire a coach. And a coach can help you through all those uh, initial struggles um, as well. So that's part two of the biggest you know, mistakes be, um, beginners make in their fitness journey. And that was you know, a pretty big list. Um, but I think like I covered everything. And I, I'm telling you, if you follow all of these lists from, or I saw all these bullet points from part one and part two, I promise you, you'll get some fucking great results and it'll be sustainable. You'll have the rest of your life and you'll just be damn proud of yourself. So if you like this episode, please, please leave a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. It helps out the podcast a lot. I really appreciate it. If you know somebody that this podcast, um, either this episode or any episodes will help, please share it. And of course, any questions you have, please feel free to reach out. My email is in the description and I uh, will be more than happy to help in any way I can. So that's it for this. Again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you and we will be talking soon. All right.